Salvation. Sun Lux. Let's jump right in. Before Sun Lux dropped Lanterns, they released the two-part song, Tear. As their band camp page states about the song, quote, Joyful Noise Recordings has released Tear, a conceptual 7-inch, featuring one new song and two distinct parts. The music featured on Tear is exclusive to this 7-inch and will not be included on the upcoming full-length album, which was Lanterns. However, this will give you a taste of the next level shit you can expect to hear on Lanterns." End quote. No longer was it exclusive to a 7-inch vinyl, as I found easily on Spotify. And hey, if you happen to own the vinyl and want to bless me with that, I would not turn you down. You can hit me up on social media or at flickerspodcast at gmail.com. No, goodness, Matt. Let's not turn this into Matt begging for free vinyl and just get into the song. Okay, okay, okay. But seriously, I'd love you forever if you would send it to us, flickerspodcast at gmail.com. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, The song, yes, uh, the song. I'm going to focus in on part one. Lyrically, Super simple, quote, I'll tear you apart, make beautiful things from pieces of you, make everything blue, end quote. Is it? That's all the lyrics. In August 2018, a fan asked on Twitter why Sun Lux keeps referencing weapons from their first album, which Jeremy will break down in part two of Salvation episode. But a portion of Sun Lux's response to that fan quoted Tear's lyrics in regard to the ethos of reinvention. And what is salvation but the reinvention of a person being torn apart and made into something beautiful what's interesting though is how this is presented in the lyrics which are i'll tear you apart make beautiful things from pieces of you there are a couple different ways the i and the you can be taken ryan is referring to himself through breaking down who he is as a person he can rebuild from those pieces of himself something new and better or is he referring to tearing someone or something else apart? And with that tweet, the interpretation he is presenting there is that this is a reference to the music. But I like to explore how these lines could be interpreted as about the you referring to someone else, a specific someone else. All right, I'm intrigued. Take me through it. Okay, so at the beginning of the song, it is solely Ryan's voice, but filtered through some sort of effect that makes it sound like his voice is being processed through, like, a paper shredder. From 
Then before he dives into a second verse, the strings enter in replicating the same shredding effect on Ryan's vocals. In the third verse, over these shredded vocals and tremolo strings, a clear vocal rests on top as these bell tones ring out, moving from this audible violence of the first two voices to something really quite beautiful. After the the beat drops, the third verse repeats. the rest of the song, the music slowly transforms from the tremolo strings and shredded vocals into the clarity of bells, bass, and percussion. So there's this clear transition from tearing to beautiful as the song progresses. That's awesome. I can totally hear how tear moves from one to the other. Good, good, good. Um, now that we understand how the, the music works to reflect the lyrics of tearing apart and the beauty that comes out of that tearing, we can begin to form a picture of who these lyrics may be about. And to do that, we have to look back to the Baroque era particularly religious artwork from that era. Okay, now I'm really excited to hear where you're taking us. Ram Brandt and Johann Sebastian Bach. Are you, you familiar? No. <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to familiarize you right now. <laughs> There's this really famous painting by Rembrandt called The Raising of the Cross, which, as, as you expect, Jesus nailed to the cross, and a few men are in the process of raising the cross, to a standing position. But what's unique about the painting is that at the base of the cross is this this little man, this little dude. And do you know who that little man is, Monica? No. 
Well, I'm going to tell you who it is. <laughs> that is Rembrandt. And now why would the artist place himself in the painting at the base of the cross here? Was Rembrandt trying to get the Baroque version of a selfie to prove he was there at Jesus' crucifixion? You know, like a Pixar didn't happen kind of situation? Mm, yes. Well, I'll tell you why he placed himself there, because Rembrandt understood that while he was not actually physically present at Jesus' crucifixion, he was born like 1,600 years as Jesus' death, after all. It was still Rembrandt and his sin that put Jesus on that cross. The tearing apart of Jesus' flesh with nails in his feet and hands was quite literally due to Rembrandt, as well as all human beings and their sin. But... Hold that thought as now we're going to dive into Joanne Sebastian Bach's St. Matthew Passion. All right. Captured and store the thought. Saving it for later. Excellent. So throughout Bach's St. Matthew Passion, he uses lyrics from this really old, and I mean like 12th century old hymn that was translated into German in the 17th century called O Sacred Head Now Wounded. That's the English translation. I'm not even going to attempt the German translation, uh, the original German. And in one of the stanzas from the hymn, it says, and again, not the German, this is the English translation. It is I, I should atone, bound hand and foot in hell. The scourges and the bonds of what you endured, my soul has earned. So like the Rembrandt painting, Bach in the Saith Matthew Pasha is placing himself as the one who tore Jesus' flesh because Bach's sin is the cause of that violent tearing. But out of that sin so violently placed on Jesus' body comes this wonderful, beautiful gift of salvation. Which leads us back to Tear, part one. Glurks, I'll tear you apart. Make beautiful things from pieces of you. So could it be that all refers to us as individuals tearing apart the you, Jesus, in the same way that these Baroque artworks do? And that from those pieces of flesh, the beautiful things of salvation are made? Uh, maybe. What do you think? I think it seems congruent with the thematical interpretations that we see in the rest of Sun Lux's music. So that seems like a really viable option that Ryan might have meant. One of several different possible interpretations. But I I think it's uh, a pretty, as you said, viable one. This is Flickers. Thematic explorations of the good, the true, and the beautiful in music. I'm Monica Hauer. And I'm Matt Linder. We're continuing our thematic exploration of Sun Lux's music. And this week, if it already isn't obvious, is we're looking at salvation. And we're beginning where we ended in liturgy. Damon Ham Is bringing us to plan the escape. But that's not all, as we'll hear from... Chris Carnati. On labor and the fool you need. The latter song, which... Crispin Mayfield. Will also cover. Let's get into it. Who's up first? Damon and plan the escape. And for him, the song touched him on a deeply personal level. Uh, see, what can I say about this one? 
Um, the summation I liked on this one was don't be afraid, hold on to our reasons. To me, it's another thing that I felt like uh, can pertain to the Bible. Uh, you know, don't be afraid, hold on to your reasons. Like, don't stray away from the Bible. You know, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna pass away or anything like that, um, like they said, like leaving, if you're gonna pass away, just, you know, stick to your, stick to your guns, you know. Stick to what the Bible says, you know, and don't be afraid, you know. And, you know, that's how I take it religiously. Again, it's not going too literally, but just focusing on my thoughts of listening, you know, while I was listening to the song. That's what came to me. I could put it towards, like, my own life, you know, a lot of stuff that I went through in life. I literally planned my escape before turning, you know, trying to do my best to to search for the Lord and uh, become a Christian and, you know, follow, uh, you know, follow him. I was living in Melpitas at the time and, you know, I'm just around a bunch of, just a bunch of negativity growing up. So what I did was I literally planned my escape and said, okay, I still need to be in the city to do school, but I decided to leave and go a couple of cities away so that way I know nobody's going to come visit me or you know come out and bother me or or ask me to come see them or anything because I live so far out I would only you know just go to the city to go to work or go to school Um, I kind of connected that to my life and then um, that's how I connected with 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 this song and that's what plan escape means to me. And then it goes, you know, again, don't be afraid. Hold on, <laughs> you know, hold on to our reasons, you know. I wasn't scared. I was ready to go and ready to move on with my life. Hold on to our reasons And plan the escape There was a, another line in there, uh, leave the wasting world behind us. Uh, we will not look back this time. Like, we'll make it out alive, which was, you know, another thing that stuck out to me. It's like, again, just, you know, don't look back. Don't look back, you know, and I, and I know a lot of us do a lot, you know, and I still catch myself doing it sometimes, you know, again, it's another connection with the song, like, man, I have all of my friends, you know, that are behind me and they still want me to, hey, come out and do these things. But, you know, to me, I feel like I'm just moving towards my salvation. Going to church, you know, every every Sunday, um, I joined, um, you know, uh, Bible studies and doing things like that, you know, again, just trying to find my salvation. And then like it says here, you know, leave the wasting world behind us, you know, when I look back this time. And so far, I feel like I haven't looked back this time. I haven't looked back to go back. I've looked back, you know, just from, you know, people I've lost, you know, which was unfortunately, you know, which was just uh, a few days ago was the anniversary of one of my best friends passing. Those are the times that I feel, you know, that I have to look back. It was a hard but I don't plan on going back to old ways. Basically, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Cause again, I don't have like a, a music, musical, you know, music education, a musical background. But uh, this is the one 
I don't want again. I don't want to say soft, but it's you know, it's, it's not too too loud. But then it just you know the beat comes in, um, you know, really strong, and Ryan starts showing out. You know, he's, he's perform. You know, he's just passionate about his performance. His arms start wailing out. Um, but when that happens, it just it just turns me up. I get lit up. Love that and there's this air of celebration as the song finishes out which i think appears to match the pretty hopeful message of salvation indeed damon provided us what salvation means for an individual but through labor chris will present us with how ryan conceptualizes salvation and i think that the opening lines from labor uh, are really poignant for the theme of salvation he says, like, I will break with you for your body to be freed, not pleased. Take the weight of you for your gravity to be erased. Just a phantom muse. What was the form, the flesh, the feet, the face? I will break with you for your body to be freed, replaced. idea of salvation was like what was the form the flesh the feet the face obviously coming from a christian tradition um form flesh feet and face are very highly connected words to the the narrative of christian salvation so um the form of jesus christ the flesh of jesus christ the feet of jesus christ the face of jesus christ uh, i think that those are all prevalent themes throughout christian theology in in this song I will break with you for your body to be freed. There's this idea of kind of this sacrifice for the other, like almost leaving somebody else. And again, thinking from like a, the lines of a Christian tradition, like Jesus Christ, like leaving his disciples um, in order for these disciples to experience freedom in the future. So like breaking with them, uh, leaving them in order for them to experience salvation. And then also this the, the self-sacrifice aspect happens again, like take the weight of you for your gravity to be erased, uh, like a very pretty way of articulating like this kind of uh, bearing of another person's sufferings or sin, if we want to use that term or yeah. So uh, bearing the weight of somebody else's pain. Gravity to be erased. 
Yeah, so I think also through this refrain, uh, the idea of salvation is very much in the forefront of Ryan Lott's mind. So like, come to life, my hungry arms are begging you, what more can you do? So almost this, from the Savior's aspect of this salvation, it's like, please, there's this like tender begging that happens there that uh, asks the person who needs saving to almost like give in to the savior or to uh, not to give in to the savior, but to uh, embrace the savior um, and to embrace the, the newness or the life or the satisfaction of. Come to life, my hungry arms are begging you, but what more can you do? I mean, if we're continuing with this um, whispering language, it is kind of like a, almost a, a lover's whisper, you know, just kind of like a come to bed whisper, um, which obviously like if we're talking about the theme of salvation can get really messy. But I, I do think that it's uh, that it is like very tender in that loving manner of play. But there is kind of like still some um, from from the beginning of the song. I think there is still. Like this, this element of like darkness there, where uh, there are those uh, like electronic, almost like screeches, especially in the first couple seconds of the song. Ryan had this to say about labor in an interview with Under the Radar, quote, yeah, that song is basically about bearing the burden of helping someone die and also helping someone come alive in the second half, unquote. And that's why I think Chris is sensing that darkness in the song, but then also it can definitely become tricky as we approach seeing God as a lover. I will break with you. However, there's precedence for that type of language, perhaps most famously heard in the book of Hosea. For example, in chapter 2, verse 14, God speaks about his relationship with Israel like this, quote, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her, unquote. Yeah, that's definitely something somebody would hear from a lover. Yes, and when you are in love, when any of us is in love, what do we do? Whisper sweet nothings into our lover's ear? Yes, but we also act out in ways that look extremely foolish to outsiders. And this is what Crispin reflects on in his analysis of The Fool You Need. I really have no idea what he's saying or what this is about. Um, It seems like it could be a relationship. Um, If it is a relationship, uh, if it's a romantic relationship, it sounds uh, maybe kind of (laughs) dysfunctional. But I did not take it that way. I looked at this through a salvation lens and thinking about, you know, my daughter we read the Jesus storybook Bible with her and it yeah. talks over and over and over about the unending, never giving up always and forever love of God. And I think that this is a nod to that at least. 
um, that I am not letting go no matter what you do. I am not letting go. I am not letting go. No matter what you do. says i can break the rules you'll see i'm not giving up i'm not giving up my mind just automatically goes to where asking that question like at what point will god give up on us a lot of the answers that we've come up for have to do with the rules is you know logic is god god will stop pursuing us uh because he respects our right to leave us alone and in this song i hear like well i'm gonna break my own rules to not give up on you i'll play the fool you need right so like i will i will do what's illogical i will do what is wrong for me or uh harmful to me and i will just continue to do what seems foolish because I love you so much and I'm never giving up on you. That line even more, the you can't take enough of me even more, the more you can't repay. It's like this play on words. Um, it's kind of nonsensical and it, to me it just sounds like there is no limit to what I will give you, you know, like I will give you, I will just continue to give to you, um, knowing that you can't repay it, you know, even what you like, and your debt will be forgiven on top of that just over and over. Oh, I was just thinking about the foolishness of God. Right. And so Paul talks about that, the foolishness of God and how God loves when it doesn't make sense. And really thinking about like, in the pagan, like in the Old Testament world and among, um, you know, other gods, it was all about being powerful. And Jesus came and and continued the tradition of saying God is love. God is about loving himself, loving you, loving others. And it just really seems foolish in so many different contexts, whether it's loving enemies it just doesn't make sense, especially in a transactional world where we think in terms of like what things get us. And so um, I think this just is rejoicing and highlighting. The music is interesting because it's kind of a jarring beat and it starts out, I feel a little bit sad for like the speaker in the song. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this like, kind of sense of being taken advantage of. It doesn't seem to be coming from a place of power. Uh, It seems to be coming from a place of, I want to say desperation. That's not quite it, but of sacrifice. It's not like, oh, I can just give limitlessly and it doesn't cost me anything. I could imagine the giving tree singing this song. Uh, yeah. (laughs) You know? You know, at the point of the book where it says, the tree and the tree was happy 
but you know it says something like but he kind of wasn't <laughs> that's the tone that you hear initially is this like i'm willing to give this to you but it is difficult for me When it gets to that, I am not letting go, no matter what you do, it's this like energetic hope. It really changes, and it's like this resolution of like, th this is where I stand. And so I'm just gonna say this over and over, you know, and even that's the, that's the, and I find myself, uh, since I've been listening to this album, that line really got stuck in my head. So uh, I'll be carrying, I have a two year old son, and I'll carry him around, and I'll just sing that in his ear, like at the bank, you know, just quietly. I'll just be like, I am not letting go. And then he's starting to sing it, and it's really cute. <laughs> and it makes me think about how I feel towards my son and just what lengths I would go to to maintain a relationship with him, no matter what he did, right? And right. Even, even if he was like, F you, I never want to see you again, like, I would have a really hard time. Um, you know, I would respect boundaries, but I would have a hard time saying like, all right, well, I guess that's that, you know, right. I would, to use the words of the song, I would, I would break the rules to, to not give up on him. I would just continue showing up. And I, that's basically what God does. That's what Jesus says. Yeah. Coming, you know, the incarnation is us humankind just continually spitting in God's face. Um, right. as yeah. a deity and then he's like okay well I'm gonna go as a human and I'm gonna show up and then they crucify him and he knew that was gonna happen and he showed up anyway and I think he continues to show up Incredible that Crispin has contextualized the song as a way to reassure his son. And takes it further to be about the relationship of God to his children through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. That's one frame of reference that one can interpret the song, but Chris explores the song through many different contexts of salvation. First, I asked him to describe the mood of the song. Yeah, so I would describe the mood of the song in contrast to the other songs to be much more, almost like rocky. Like just a very, there's a groove to it. You know, Ian Chang is actually in the background there, like playing something consistently for four bars, <laughs> which doesn't yeah. often happen throughout the rest of this album. <laughs> uh, the rest of like the percussion is much more orchestral, let's say, and this is much more of like a band feel. Yeah, I think the, the percussion is percussion is one of the main signifiers to me, or like the main signs to me that it's uh, a much more of a band feel. I think the guitar is also much more constant, but it's not a band feel. Still like distinct, distinctly weird. You know? <laughs> um, nah, it's, there's no chord progression um, that's being repeated. And here he is on the different angles through which the song can be understood. This part, hollow me, hollow me, hollow me. 
Um, I thought it was really interesting if we're taking it from like a salvation perspective. I was thinking it's either like a failed salvation, I'm giving as much as I can, but it's not enough and I'm like completely spent. Or a very, very difficult one that like completely drains the person who's doing the quote unquote saving or engaging in this quote unquote saving act um, to the point where they're just empty. A very human picture of what it looks like to serve one another and sacrifice for one another <laughs> because we don't have that much margin, you know, in our lives. Be like, you know, I have just tons of time and so much effort that I can just hand over to you, you know. We don't ever like act in quote unquote saving manners to one another um, out of excess, you know. <laughs> Uh, it takes a lot of effort to like sit by the bed of that friend who's crying or take that call in the middle of the night, a brother or a sister, or to listen to somebody vent their frustrations about their boss. You know, we always have our already overwhelming this type of self-sacrificing act. Really draining, but also he's like, as he says, like, I'm not letting go, I'm not letting go, no matter what you do, I'm not letting go. I'm just imagining this, this song in different contexts. And I think that the phrase like the fool already brings up a lot of like romantic context for me. So I wonder if he's also like having his partner in mind when he says this, like I can play the fool you need, not giving up. I can break the rules. You'll see I'm not giving up. Make me make it up to you. So like almost like as like an apology after things have gone wrong, like, you know, like I can do that thing that, you really need, and I can be that fool uh, that you really need. There is a romantic language again, but this time it can be attached to that foolishness you referenced earlier. Yes, yes, yes. But in part two, our contributors hear different aspects of Salvation and Sun Lux's music, and that episode is available to listen to right now. Shout out to this episode's contributors, Damon Ham, Chris Carnati, and Crispin Mayfield. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Then go and rate us on Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone. Tell everyone and anyone you know who is a Sunlux fan, and even those who aren't yet. This episode was produced and edited by me, Matt Linder, storyboarding and scripting assistance by Armani Peterson. And me, Monica Hauer. <laughs>